Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series called This is Connected to That, and uh, we've been looking at the life of Joseph, and uh, I've gotten some, some decent feedback from some of you. Most of you don't give me feedback. Sometimes I, I like feedback, even if it's bad. I'd rather have bad feedback than, than no feedback at all. Uh, and we've been talking about Joseph's life. And Joseph has had a roller coaster kind of existence of a life. And we, if you've not here, been here, we've been started all the way back in Genesis chapter 37. And then we're, gonna, we're working all the way through the 50th chapter, which is a long discourse on the story of, of Joseph and his life. And so it's, it's a very um, good life. It's a life that goes like this. It goes up and down, up and down. And one day he's, he's on a high, and the next day he's literally in a pit. And so we left him last week in chapter 39. We left him in Potiphar's house, and we left him at this place where he was doing pretty good. He was a slave, but he was in charge of everything that Potiphar was in charge of. And so it was a, it was a good time in his life. But today we're going to go into <laughs> another time in his life when he sees a pit and falls in it again, not even on anything of his own doing. We live in a culture today that is built on chase and pursuit of, always, of all these things, of, of the next best thing. All of us, we're always looking for the next best thing. What is it? You know, what, what's it going to be? You know, for a lot of you football fans, it was a Super Bowl. It was a Super Bowl. Now, what's the next best thing? What, what, what's next? And so uh, it may be something else. It may be your vacation coming up. It may be, who knows? I don't know. But there's always something we have to think about. And we think about the innovations and different things that happen in our society. And so it makes sense that, that in our culture of these extremes where we live in a culture of, of highs and lows all the time, that people are walking around, psychologists tell us, more than ever with one deep emotion. You know what that emotion is? Disappointment. Disappointment. And that's a, that's a hallmark of Joseph's life. Disappointment. Disappointments come into our life early, and they stay with us through our whole life. I remember one of my earliest uh, disappointments that I remember. It was in the third grade, and I was just discovering women. And I knew that they're besides my mom. I loved my mom, and I thought, well, that, that, that's good. And I started noticing that there was somebody that didn't, wasn't built like me and didn't look like me, looked pretty. And when they walked by, oh, yeah. And, and so I remember Donna Blair. Donna Blair was in third grade, and, man, Donna Blair was it. She was it. I love Donna Blair, I think. Not really. But I love Donna Blair. Donna Blair was, was something. So I did what every third grade boy did at recess. I wrote a, a note and I said, do you like me? And I sent it with my friend to her. And she, you know what? During recess, she sent it back. And I, right, I come in and I come sit down in, the, in these, these old desks. And with the, we, uh, this is, you know, tells you how old I am. We had inkwells in our literally in our in our desk. I, that's what I was in, in that. So we had an inkwell, and I forget my friend stuffed that down in the inkwell. And I looked at it, and she says, "No, <laughs> man, disappointed." 
And I remember that. I remember because I, I don't remember any, any deep disappointments other than that because I had this great feeling of emotion for this, this person. And I put myself out there and she rejected me. So disappointments come at us all through life. And they get harder and bigger and deeper as we get older. Many of you here today, you could write books and maybe volumes uh, on disappointments that have happened in your life. Things that you thought would go a certain way, and they didn't. You married a certain person, and it just didn't work. You tried, you did all the right things, and it just didn't work. Disappointments are part of life. Yes, they are. But they can take us to places that... God doesn't want us to live and to stay. And many of us today in this place are living in disappointment. And God calls us to live in victory, in victory. He calls us that we are more than conquerors and we are to overcome those things. And Joseph, his poor life has been flirting with disappointment day after day. One day he's, he's got his beautiful coat and many colors and and his father loves him much more than he loves his brothers, and so he tells him so, and then the brothers hate him so, and they, they sell him and put him into a pit and sell him to some, some uh, people that are, that are going to, to Egypt. And so he's ripped away from his father and all these things, and he gets to Egypt, and here he is. He's sold into slavery, and he's put in charge of this, guy's, uh, this whole guy's empire in the, in the Pharaoh in, in Pharaoh's life there. And so it was very important to see that Joseph had highs and lows and he still was able to motor forward. And so if, if you're here today and you're feeling disappointment in any level, which I believe if you're alive and you have a ticker, you probably have disappointments. Disappointments that are real, that uh, some of them are of your making, some of them are of other people's making, but you're here today and you're dealing with disappointments. So we're going to be picking up today in Genesis chapter 39, and if you want to follow along, you can do that on Facebook, or you can follow along a little bit. I, I wrote a ton, the whole uh, chapter almost out today, and we're not going to read it all. I'm going to read segments of it because it's too long of a story to read that. So if you want to check me, you can check me as we read through there, but you're welcome to look, turn to Genesis 39. Same things that I'm saying is what this is saying. So let's go right into it. Genesis 39, 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. That's where we left off last week with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Why is this guy always getting that, that props? Hardly anybody in the Bible. This guy must have really been good looking. Okay, He was well-built and he was handsome. Okay, we get it. He was, he was, uh, he was very uh, privileged, so to speak. When he came out of the oven, God kind of put a little extra in the, in the batter. Okay, so, so things are good with Joseph. He is, he's a hunk. So here again, we get thrown in our face. Joseph was well-built and handsome. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> so and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care, except you. 
except you, woman. Okay, let's, let's, back, let's kind of pack through this a little bit. The Bible says Joseph refused to look. He refused to look. He told her, my master, trust me with everything in the entire household. So uh, I have great authority. And, and so I want you to understand, woman, I can't go what, do what you're asking me to do. Now, Joseph's integrity here is, is incredible. His, who he is when nobody is around. Think about what, how, how many fellows could, could, could be this, this person that have gone such through an incredible roller coaster, a, a ride where people love him, they reject him. They love him, they reject him. They sell him, and, and he's been on this, this rejection ride, so to speak, Girlfriend, there's been no girlfriends. And all of a sudden, this woman takes notice of him and makes him feel good about who he is as a man. And uh, somebody wants me. And it would be so easy to give in. It would be so easy to do that. Because he wanted to be desired. He hadn't been desired for a while. Maybe his dad was the last one to really love him, just to love him. Verse 10, the story continues on that she, Potiphar's wife, kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept, he kept out of the way as much as possible, the Bible says. So he was avoiding her. He was stepping away. He didn't want to go in and run to temptation. He was doing what he knew to do. Verse 11 says this, one day, however, no one else was around. He went to do his work. You know, that's totally a coincidence, okay? <laughs> she could send everybody away. And here he is doing his thing. And Potiphar's wife came and she grabbed his coat, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Verse 13, Joseph tore himself away. And he left his cloak and ran from the house. What is it about Joseph and coats? What is, this is the second coat that's been ripped off his body. Think about it. He's got, I mean, at that point, I wouldn't wear coats anymore. I mean, like, no, no more coats for me. And so here he is. He's, he's doing the right thing. He's, he's trying to avoid confrontation. The poor dude has this, this horrible luck, and he's trying not to get ten, go through with temptation. And so Verse 14 says this, when she saw that uh, she was holding his cloak, so she's noticed that she's got his cloak and, and he's not in it, and she's called out to her servants and, and said to them, look, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. So immediately she turns the tables on Joseph and she makes it about him, not about her, even though she's the one that's pursuing him. And, and then she makes up lies. He came to my room. And, and I screamed, and when I heard him scream, what I, 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 I got away as quick as I could. Now, Joseph is trying to live a faithful life here. I want you to get this. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to, to live as according to what he knew his God would want him to live. And he's still getting in trouble. He's doing the right thing, and he gets in trouble for doing the right thing. Verse 19 Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph had treated her. And the English here kind of masks what's happening in the Hebrew because it really doesn't, we're not really sure. You have to really do a lot of word study to understand why he was furious and what was he furious about. Was he furious because he believes that his wife, if he believes his wife, he's going to lose this dude as in 
incredible, uh, got these skills like nobody's business, and he's taking care of his, his, his affairs. And so if he, if he believes his servant, then his wife is going to reject him. But if he believes Joseph, the context shows us that he's going to bring all this shame upon his household because he put a, a foreign person in charge of his household, and he's going to get some scorn from all the people in his circles. So it feels like here, <laughs> Joseph is heading for a pit again. He's heading for darkness. He's headed for uncharted waters. And so Potiphar takes and does the only thing he knows to do, and he throws him in jail. Which leads us to what I'm calling today. Next, next thing, please. Keep going. Pit moments of life. The pit moments of life, because you understand pit moments. Joseph is starting to understand pit moments. Go to the next one. Thank you. Disappointment. I, I put it under three different headings. Disappointment. Unmet expectations and false assumptions. You know, God. the false assumption is God's the one who's supposed to take care of me. Joseph is thinking... You, you told me you love me. You told, I know you love me. I read the readings. It says you love me, so I'm going to, you're supposed to take care of me. Sound familiar? So it, it leads to disappointment. Expectations and assumptions of others. In other words, the relationships that we're having, the, those things, that those people that we rely on, they're not exactly who we thought they were. They're not exactly who we thought they were. For some of us, if we think about it and describe the pit moments of our life, the world simply would just be all about disappointment. I think that's why so many people are depressed. I think that's why counselors and mental health people are, are off the charts right now, off the chains, because people like you, like us, are so disappointed because we have these unmet thoughts, that we thought life was going to be different, that somehow I was promised something and I didn't get it. It didn't shake out the way that I thought it would. It looks like these, these things that we're talking about are so important because unmet expectations and expectations and assumptions of others, I mean, that, that just leads to, we build things up in our mind that, that because I, if I get married, this person is going to, to fulfill my needs and when they don't, Disappointed. See, we think if I if I we get this house, it's not a clunker. Or we stop renting, and we don't have to rent that that three bedroom house. So we're paying thousands of dollars, and then we'll go buy another house. Oh, then we have to take care of that house, and we have to take care of all the things, and we have to the furnace goes out. It's us disappointed. You understand how that works? And then the third part, or what I would call piece of disappointment in the American church and, the, and church being you today is this, idolatry. What is that? Something or someone in your life has taken the place of God and is on the throne of your house, of your heart. It could be you. You could be on the throne of your heart where you care just about what you think, what you feel, what you're going through more than God. 
when you do that, you have an idol problem. There is a problem and it's in you. Anything that takes the place of God is an idol in your heart. Anything that you turn to, if you turn to your friends and what they think more than what God thinks, that's an idol. Anything. So where does this leave you? Where does this leave you if you're here today and one of those three things are part of your life? That you're here today and you, are, you're in, you have extreme disappointment. You're here today and you, you thought that, you know, if you got married and you, you paid your taxes and you went to school for trades or, or if you went to college and things would be good and you married somebody and you had kids, it would be great. And it's not. It's not what you thought it was going to be. Where does that leave us? Where does that leave us, church? Well, I believe it's this. I believe it leaves us with these expectations and these assumptions about life. Like maybe some of us grew up with these ideas like, uh, I, I, I'm going to live my life and I'm not going to have major setbacks. Other people, that happens to them. But what happens when a kid dies? What happens when a spouse dies? What happens when... When things are catastrophic and you get a call that says it's cancer, what then? What then? Please hear me. There is nothing wrong with having a a decent life. There's nothing wrong with having a house. There's nothing wrong with having a spouse. There's nothing wrong with having kids. God intended us to have those things. But he didn't intend for us to make them all about those things. And a lot of our disappointments center around those things. They center around those things. What ultimately is bringing the feeling of disappointment in so many church-going Christian people today is this. That they place their hope in earthly circumstances. Let me say that again. You placed your hope in earthly circumstances. You cannot place it in government. You cannot place it in your job. You cannot place it in your health. It can be taken away. Ask Tom Bonta today. One day he's fine, the next day he's not. It can happen like that. I think... For some of us here today, what ultimately brings that disappointment is that you're out of line with God. And when you're out of line with God, you're taking something that God manufactured and meant to have specifications, which is the Word of God. Those are the specs. And He encouraged you and made you to live by those specs. And if you're not, you're going to be out of sorts a lot. And if you're out of sorts, you're going to live your life and you're going to be disappointed because you're going to have these grandiose ideas that somehow life owes you these things. And if that's you today, you have your hope in the wrong things. 
There's another conversation that happens to happen besides disappointment with unmet expectations. It's when things, really hard, harsh, bad things happen. In the last couple of years, I've sat across the table from people, good, godly people have lost loved ones. I've sat in hospital rooms with people where a father or mother is torn away from wife, kids, and grandkids. I've been in a place where two godly people cannot agree to love each other anymore. And they have to say, we have to split. We have to not be a team anymore. Or like I said, you get a diagnosis. And they come in here and they say, I got cancer. See, that's, that's just brokenness. That's emptiness. And those are real things too. Those are things that we're not, we have no purview over at all. It's a type of, of darkness that gets you at the core of who you are. And it, asks, it has us all in this room asking the same question that Joseph probably asked as he was sitting in jail, that pit, for the second time, which is, have you forgotten about me, God? Have you forgotten about me? What do we do? See, Joseph was just, he was, darkness was all around him. It looked good for a minute. He's in charge, da-da-da-da-da, doing the right things, everything's good, and all of a sudden it's not. He's surrounded by this darkness once again. And the Bible says these words, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Say that with me today, would you? The Lord was with Joseph. See, God is with you in the ER. He's with us in our loneliness. He's here wherever it is that you are, that you find yourself in despair and loneliness and disappointment. He is there. And you didn't do, you didn't do anything to some of those things. You had no... It was not you. It just happened. And, and here you are in a, in a place where you never thought you would be. Maybe you, you find yourself angry. Maybe you're here today and you're a little angry because it's, it's this sense of defeat, the sense of just this, this numbness like has come over you now because it was such a great pain you never thought you would get divorced. You never thought that they would, they, they would be taken away from you. You never thought that things would end up the way they are. But we live in a world where God does directly move. He directly operates. And he has created this world to operate in a system of free will. Free will. I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad. I, so many times when I come to this point, of disappointment. I'm so glad he gives us free will. I would have never wanted to be a robot. Here and now, right now, as we sit here in this room, the message of the gospel, the hope that we have, is not that everything that happens in this life is somehow good 
or was directly willed by God. I want to say that to you as many times as I can to get. I'm not, I, and when I, when I use that title, this is connected to that. I want you to understand, God did not will evil. He did not will pain. That was not God's deal. The hope that we have, though, no matter what happens, no matter how bad this country turns, no matter how bad your health turns, no matter what your finances are, God is sovereign. He's over it all. And he will get his will accomplished. He will bring beauty from ashes. He will bring beauty from ash. And we have to believe that. So the question I ask you, it should be on the screen here. What all the, uh, no, we'll take that one. What ultimately is bringing on that feeling of disappointment? And I, I believe for some of us, it's this, this disconnection from God, that we are angry at God because things haven't been worked on or worked out like we thought they were. And so I, I, I say to you today as we get ready to close, if we truly believe that God is always with us, if we truly believe that it's God's will that he's going to weave our bad into something godlike how much different would our life look like see the promise of god's presence is what makes all the difference for anybody who's a believer in jesus today his presence is there it is it is it is not going anywhere it is not going away unless you tell him to go away And it's a daily choice of asking Jesus, come, invade my space. Take my disappointment. Take my fears. Remove these things in me that are not of you and take them with you. And I give them to you. And I know, I know that some days it feels like you're going three steps forward and two or three back. I understand that. And I want you to understand, so does God. So does God. We were never promised a perfect life. We were promised a life where he would be with us through everything that happens, through every disappointment, through every disaster. He will be there with us. As I was meditating on Joseph's story more this week, hey, Ben, you can come on up too. Let's let's get ready. As I was meditating on Joseph's story this past uh, week, I ended up jotting down a couple of prayers that I wonder if Joseph might have had as he was praying, as he sat in jail again, as he sat in this prison again. And here's, here's you want to write it down, you can write these down because I think these are, these are one-word prayers that you could pray this week. First prayer is this, Lord, help me keep my eyes focused on you. Lord, help me keep my eyes focused on you. you know, because when you keep your eyes focused on the, on the problem, the problem gets bigger. And when you f- keep your eyes focused on God, God gets bigger. The weaker you are, the stronger he becomes, the Bible tells us. Lord, help me keep your eyes, my eyes focused on you. Lord, don't let me give up. Lord, don't let me give up. Lord, don't let me be overcome by the question of why. Why did we separate? Why did we get bust? Why, why, why did that happen? 
Why am I here? Why'd you make me? Some of you have, have asked that question. What's my purpose? Why, why, why I don't feel like I'm useful to anybody anymore? Lord,